As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the 3-0 Show, part of the Athletic Baseball Show family. Derek Van Riper, Bertiroli, Eno Saris here with you. It is Wednesday, March 9th. We're recording this just after noon Eastern. At this point, there is not yet an agreement on a new CBA, but I think we might be getting a little bit closer. It seems like significant progress has been made since the last time we spoke on this show about a week or so ago. The big issues, according to the Athletic's Evan Drellick, uh, the direct draft pick compensation and the elimination of the qualifying offer. That's still a sticking point, as well as the league wanting to have an international draft, which obviously is a, a massive thing to sort out. Uh, a lot of implications there, but uh, let's check the optimism meter. We begin with our resident pessimist, Bricciaroli. Britt, how are you feeling about the state of things right now? <laughs> you know what? I'm feeling good. I think a deal gets done today. I have a Florida trip already on the books for next week. And yeah, that's it. That's all I got on it. Wow. Wow. You booked the trip already. All right. <laughs> I booked it. I booked it weeks ago. Okay. I'd have something to do. Well, I'm trying uh, to decide yeah. when to go to Arizona. And I haven't, I haven't booked it yet. <laughs> yeah. Weren't you just there? You were no. just there a few weeks ago. Oh, I thought you were there. That was um, fall league, but. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm the resident optimist, I guess. I think it's, I think it's good. I think the, there's a little cynicism in my optimism, which is that, you know, the international draft, I don't think will be a big holdup because the MLB PA, the major league baseball professionals, uh, you know, they don't cover that union does not cover you know, international players that are drafted in the international draft. You know, they only cover them once they become a pro. So, you know, it's not necessarily their primary concern. Also, you know, I do think there's a ton of corruption. There's a great story by Maria Torres and Ken Rosenthal about this. There's a ton of corruption where, you know, they're making deals with 12-year-olds, you know, in Latin America. That's awful. I don't like that. I don't want you know twelve year olds to be scouted. I don't want them to be making deals. Are they making? Are they? Do they have the full you know capacity to make these deals? 
and then they get screwed if the team decides they don't want to actually you know come through on that deal then the, the player just gets screwed and they there's no there's no recompense so a draft could fix some of those things i do think that it will probably limit spending because that's how the draft has worked in for american kids and it'll limit spending maybe even more than the draft pools do but uh mm-hmm. you know if it helps with the corruption and it's not necessarily something that the unions all over i think that it's an easy chip for them so if they if they give that chip and they get uh rid of draft pick compensation in the qualifying offer i think they will make that deal seems a little messed up that the thing that the players association can give the league is something that they don't really have any control over anyway and it's it's a broken system i think the piece that maria and ken wrote we'll put a link to it in the show notes it highlights that even with an international draft those problems aren't going to go away they detail how and why that's the case i think it all leads to even smaller minor league systems we talked about that on the show either a week or two ago there has to be a reason why the league wants this the reason is to curtail spending even further and i think an international draft ultimately gets them to that point so the, the question I would have is how quickly do they, they, they think they can implement something like that? It would take at least a few years to have an actual structure in place that would make sense that to outline all the rules. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because MLB has wanted this for a long time that they actually have some version of a detailed plan ready to go. They've already thought about the how, when, and why. Even if they haven't done it in great detail, they've done enough to just push ahead and and make it happen but some of the other things that we've seen bigger bases are coming and i like that a lot i think bigger bases are a great thing it makes the game safer first and foremost increases the possibilities yeah especially at first Mm -hmm. base but double plays out at second base i just think that's a spot where you can see a lot of potential injuries out there making the bases bigger though increases infield hits slightly i don't care as much about that it's the stolen base the impact on stolen bases getting teams to be a little more aggressive in that area to me is good for the game it makes the game more fun it adds another strategy element that is starting to fade away if you look at the trends of stolen bases over the past 20 years so i'm curious Britt, how do you feel about uh, that adjustment as one of the on-field things that has bubbled up in recent days yeah i like it i feel like once it gets done, we're going to have so much to dissect with all the rules and everything. But I'm in favor of right now just getting a deal done. I think bigger bases, whatever you got to do with the pitch clock, like the shift. I'm in favor of all of it. Just get a deal done. That's kind of where I'm at right right now, guys. I'm, I'm very, I think as most people probably listen to this podcast are, I'm like labored out. I'm tired of hearing about these incremental adjustments. Um, hopefully by the time this podcast is out, this is already old news and we already have a new CBA <laughs> and we spend the next couple of weeks dissecting all the new rules and all the spring excitement. That's where I'm at. Well, I just had a super cynical thought that popped into my head and I'd like to apologize if I had any part in this, but I'm now thinking back to the sticky stuff enforcement, which I definitely, you know, had some part in breaking that story. But, um, you remember how. He just the, the 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 commissioner just decided to implement the enforcement in the middle of the season, and we all thought that was really strange. That was strange. Well, now, no, I'm going to disagree. He had to implement it in the middle of the season because so many people in the media were pressuring him to do it. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Yes. Ken and I, Ken Rosenthal and I wrote a big article about it, and like they couldn't have let that continue the whole year the way it was going. So it was strange he implemented it mid season, except. 
he kind of had to because of the mounting media pressure. If you guys recall, players were speaking oh, out. Yeah, um, and it, we wrote pieces together. You know, I, yes. I and I, you know, I've, I've been writing about it forever. So, like, yes, I guess there was mounting media pressure, but he's also ignored mounting media pressure, and he also gave them um, memos before the season for like two or three seasons in a row saying, we're going to do something this season, right? And then didn't do anything. So he could have done it before the season. My point is that now looking back in the light of like him asking for more power in terms of implementing rule changes in the CBA, you know, doing this mid-season enforcement kind of makes you feel like, ah, well, he can do whatever he wants anyway. Well, that's because that was a on, like, when you look at the rules that he's allowed to implement, the uh-huh. baseball is controlled by MLB. We've written uh-huh. this. Like, he can't just make random rules up. The The baseball is controlled by MLB, as we've written right. about. So that was within his purview to change it with no input from players. Right. But all these other and things. And sticky stuff enforcement. He'd already followed the memo. Like, he'd done, like, the, he did the chain of thing where he'd, like, did the memo. Yes. We, I told you guys about it. And this is enforcement of an existing rule in the book. And so I can do this. Yes. However, I, I do think that like doing in the middle of the season kind of was like a power play in a way. Like what I, that's how I see it now, especially now that he wants more, you know, ability to make rule changes, um, you know, you know, and, and the, without the player's input. So well, the players are going to ha- are going to give him. But though the sticky stuff is an isolated thing, I think I see what you're saying, except mm-hmm. the players literally had no input in that because they have no input in the baseball. That's not changing with the CBA. And they, and but it was an existing change, rule, right? It was also an existing but, rule. It was just enforcement yes. of existing rule. But to is- change other things now, they're shortening the time, but the players still have input. So Manfred can't wake up one day in June and say, we're changing the the base pass, we're moving the mound back. Like the, the players have input. <laughs> yes, the players have input. So um, I see, base. I see what you're saying. Except I think the sticky stuff was so isolated because it was okay. never enforced and it well, involved the baseball. That makes me feel better, but yeah. <laughs> I would hate to have been a pawn in this whole thing. But uh, you know, I, I, I also think that it's one of those things that can get slipped in uh, where they're they're so concerned about you know moving the CBT. The three big things for the players are minimum salary, the bonus pool, and moving the CBT. They are, they're so concerned with those things that they will give the international draft and they will give uh, the commissioner mm-hmm. more powers to change the rules. I think because the the main concern is sort of I think it's clawing back what are perceived losses in the last couple of CBAs. So finance finances were number one. And it's actually kind of interesting to think back that some of the some of the narrative was they lost in previous CBAs because they were too concerned with these little things about getting a chef in every, uh, you know, getting a chef in everything and the per diems or what happens in spring training and stuff like that. So, you know, it is interesting that this time they're like, okay, screw all that little stuff. We don't care. International draft. Fine. You have it. We don't care. All we want is higher CBT. And that's why we're all a little bit optimistic because they finally moved on the CBT and they kind of moved pretty close to the midpoint. So that's why I think we all think something's going to happen now. Yeah. Well, the international draft, it looks like Derek, somebody said, won't be ready till 2024. Okay, because so so they, they can't just jump into it. Yeah, they, yeah, a couple yeah. years. They have, they have to let all those uh, twelve-year-olds come through the system they've already made agreements with. The, the thing Yikes. that bothers me, though, <laughs> and Maria and Ken got into this, is MLB points to like, oh, we can clean up the international side. Yeah, they can, but they've also turned a blind eye to the international side 
you of stuff forever. Yeah. They could have already cleaned it up. Yeah. They just don't care. Uh, but they only care now because it could save them money, obviously, because there will no longer be bidding wars. So um, I do think, Derek, you asked what the holdup is, and you're forgetting how many players that are prominent players are international players. There could mm-hmm. be so a lot of a lot of op- opposition in the players union to that. Only one on the executive subcommittee, though. Right. Yes. I think that's where there there's there's not the representation and leadership considering this issue from the perspective of the people that have lived this baseball life. That's where I think it, it starts to fall apart. I, I mean, I think we talked about this again probably two or three weeks ago. If you look at the top players in baseball, the number of them that were not part of the MLB draft is surprising. And yeah. when you start looking at bonuses and the money those players received compared to their peers who were first and second round draft picks in the States, there's a pretty significant gap favoring the players that came through the MLB draft. So on the surface, I think you can be deceived to think, oh, an international draft, that's going to be more fair. Instead of guys getting $10,000 signing bonuses and $50,000 signing bonuses from the Dominican Republic, they're going to end up getting something more like a first round pick. And that's good. But a lot of those players, those top end players are getting giant signing bonuses compared to the smaller signing bonuses of their peers already because of the system being the mess that it is. So all this is to say, like, don't don't look at the international draft if that in fact does come to fruition and say oh this solved the problem it it isn't necessarily solving the problem at all it could actually be just as bad as it's always been uh, but we should be two weeks into spring training games right this should be like the second week of cactus league and grapefruit league play it is not of course but Britt, you were on the road recently you were in arizona and you got to see the mlbpa camp that is set up in arizona so i'm curious to know what is happening there as players continue to go through their own version of, of spring training it's awesome guys if i were, were to tell someone who wasn't familiar with baseball that this was just all the giants camp or all the a's camp you would believe it because it directly replicates a spring training. They've got guys doing infield and outfield and stations. They've got BP. They've got guys throwing bullpen sessions. Yesterday was the first day that pitchers threw live BP, guys who wanted to. They have a state-of-the-art weight room. They have catered food. So it basically is spring training. You're just getting a hodgepodge of players, probably about 40 to 50 guys, maybe even more now later in the week uh, are expected that come from you know a dozen or so teams that are able to work out there. It's really cool to see. Um, what's kind of funny about it is it's in Mesa, Arizona, Bell Bank Park. It's also a big little league youth tournament. So I don't know if you guys saw last week, Zach Granke was throwing a bullpen and a bunch of little leaguers were watching him uh, like right outside of the like flagged area, uh, which is hilarious. And, you know, a lot of players when I was there earlier this week were stopping and signing for the families and the little leaguers and, Obviously, it's not ideal. Everyone wants the lockout to end. But I was surprised with one, how state of the art the facility is and two, with how many big leaguers were actually utilizing it um, because I guess because it is so nice and because when else do you have the opportunity to work out with that many guys? Um, You know, Mitch Handiger was saying he was kind of floating around in different areas. Another player I talked to said throwing alone kind of sucks. So I think having that camaraderie uh, while they wait out this lockout has been kind of an underrated aspect of all this as well. Yeah, there's a couple things I really like about it. It seems to create solidarity in the players union, I think. You know, you just you get to know more players that aren't just on your team. Um, and the other thing that's kind of interesting is 
uh, I've seen hand in hand with like what the union seems to be doing right now on their Twitter feed. I don't know if you guys have noticed they're trying to tell stories of these players. And so uh, there's kind of this ability. It's a little bit like uh, the Players Tribune or something where, you know, like kind of trying to get stories from the players out, uh, you know, directly. Uh, I don't know exactly how I feel about that as a journalist, considering that's partially my job. <laughs> but uh, uh, I did like there was a video about David Hess coming back from from cancer. Uh, that was pretty uplifting. Um, yeah, I forget there was another video that I that I enjoyed. So, you know, there is this opportunity here to create solidarity in the union and also show the players off. Um, and uh, show them doing something and get some of their stories directly to uh, the fans without the benefit of stadiums and laundry and you know so on and so forth, TV deals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I remember reading the story. I think when Adam Adovino first set up his own throwing That's the facility. One. Yeah, yeah. I think Lindsay Adler had a story about it. Was that two years ago now? I honestly don't know how far uh, how far back in time anything has happened anymore. I've just completely <laughs> lost all sense of that. And uh, yeah, they had the Players Association had a, a video, like an eight minute video, just showing the guys that were throwing there. There's probably I don't know eight or ten different big leaguers that were throwing in the clip, and it was funny because it was it's such a no frills facility you know there's the mound built up there was a bunch of stuff from amazon like tarps blocking the back window so that way the catcher could see cement the ball. wall for your plyo balls yeah there was a, a cutout in the wall that you had to go through to then go downstairs to a shared restroom and it was it, it was just <laughs> it was not like the facilities like driveline and tread and some of the other facilities we've talked about this was very much a a cookie cutter sort of thing like i just need a place to throw and I'm going to share this with other people. So you could definitely see that that camaraderie just in a seven minute video. And a lot of the younger players uh, being very grateful to Adam Adovino for just having this space that he was willing to share with them. Because if you if you haven't had a free agent contract, finding a facility of any kind, especially one with some tech, he had track man set up, at least mm-hmm. that's very difficult and it's very cost prohibitive, as we've we've talked about in the past. So the camp in Arizona I think it's just funny, Britt, because there's this idea. Some people have this belief that players wouldn't know what to do if they didn't have spring training. And I don't think that's really they the didn't case have people at all. To tell them what to do. <laughs> I think they yeah. kind of know what they need to do to be prepared for the season. I know people are worried if we get an agreement and a quick run up and we still try to get 162 games in thanks to you know a couple double headers sprinkled into the schedule that we might have a lot of injuries again. 
think players are generally closer to being where they would ordinarily be at this point than the broader public thinks. So I guess I don't have as many concerns as most people do. Do you think there's a a faction of players, though, that are still stuck, that are are unable to prepare on their own? We saw Yohan Ramirez, right? You know, brought him up on the pod a couple weeks ago, throwing at at a park uh, on his own. Like that's, that's not quite the same as being in the facility like you described in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. The guys who aren't in Mesa, obviously not going to have a setup like that. Not going to be able to hit off big league pitching and, you know, take infield with other big leaguers. I think the rehabbers are far behind. You heard Lance McCullers in Houston say this winter, his rehab has been behind because he wasn't able to get in touch with the team's trainers because he wasn't able to follow their specific protocol. And, you know, that's a guy who has a lot of money and resources at his disposal. So you wonder, you know, the other tiers down, how much it affects those guys, the guys who just got added to the 40 man. Now Cleveland did have four or five guys in Mesa's camp. And I think added, I want to say 10 guys to their 40 man roster. Uh, But people who aren't as lucky to be in Arizona, if you just get added to this big league roster and you don't have the money to work out at these places, I, I think you can't possibly replicate spring training. Um, you're just behind the eight ball. So there is definitely concern. And I think even if a deal gets reached as we speak here on Wednesday, um, there's still going to be heightened injury risk throughout the sport for quite some time because we're going to get a rush spring training pretty much no matter what. Frustrating. I think we'll also find probably that the hitters uh, may be a little bit behind the pitchers. Is that possible? I don't yeah. know. That's what we found in 2020 yeah. when they tried to come back fast. The hitters were actually behind the pitchers and they 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 were acting as if it was still, you know, early, late March when it was when they were still playing in, in August, when they started playing in August. So. Yeah, we all we we kind of all focus on pitchers, you know, not necessarily maybe having five or six innings. But I think it actually might be the hitters that are a little bit behind with the way this works. But, you know, how can they, how can they, you know, how can they mimic it? You know, I think the live ABs are actually super important because you get that adrenaline rush. You don't get that over the off season when you're thrown into a tire, tire swing. Like you're, you, you have to have somebody, you have to have that, you know, that mono mono, you know, didn't mean to be gendered, but just like, you have to have that kind of like, you know, me against you, like adrenaline mm-hmm. to, to, to kind of hit those maximum velos and, 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 and get that feeling of competition. So I think the live ABs are important for, was there any talk uh, at the camp of doing some sort of games or, or trying to mimic game situations? Yeah. If it goes far enough, obviously in the lockout, there is talk of, you know, some kind of scrimmages, sim games, things like that are going to get escalated. They're also going to grow. I mean, if this agreement doesn't get reached today, if it goes through the end of the week and next week, you're going to see more and more players, I think, show up at this camp because it is the closest thing to spring training. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were talks about like, you know, we're going to escalate this if we have to, right? Everything's kind of in limbo right now as we sit here, even this podcast, like, is this going to be um relevant here in a few hours we hope so um or or are people going to be making plans is carlos correa going to sign tonight right like this could be a wild day think about that for a second um but we really have no idea really have no idea i have wondered you know if this does go on for even a couple more weeks if there are ways that the players breaking up into their own teams are going to try and show us some baseball on their own like how 
how could they go about that? And we were brainstorming on this because I think even just a couple of days ago, it seemed like the the delay was going to be a lot longer than it seems like it's going to be right now. And one of the ideas we had was that you could have regular spring training looking games, but you have these captains that just draft the teams the day of. And, you know, maybe you have a schedule for who's going to pitch that day and each team gets an equal number of pitchers and the workload sort of just planned out ahead of time. But if you stream that somewhere and you actually stream the game, maybe you had players mic'd up, you had GoPros on players, you'd get an experience for spring training that's actually a lot more interesting and a lot closer to the field than what we're accustomed to seeing on a typical Wednesday afternoon in March. Look, I, I think spring training baseball is great background fodder, but to see something that more resembles um i don't know like a an all-star game sort of showcase like to see sandlot. that version of spring training or like the sandlot vibes that would actually be a really interesting thing to see if we don't have some kind of agreement in place yeah i think it would be a step beyond like you know the other thing is just live avs where you're like oh this person against this person but you know that doesn't really survive all the way down to like oh like the 60th best batter against the 45th best pitcher. <laughs> but if you if you get a little bit of buy-in with the captain, you're like, oh, Team Lindor against, you know, uh, you know, Team Correa or whatever, then like you you get some rivalry, you get some you get some talking and you and then people feel like you have the, the whole thing is how do you how do you mimic teams in baseball? How do you mimic the team feeling? without the laundry, without the team, without the logo, you know, like, how do you mimic that? I do think the captain thing kind of works that way because now you're like kind of rooting for team Lindor. You're like, I always like Lindor better than Correa, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, and, and they, and they've captured that in basketball a little bit, you know, you got the team LeBron versus team, you know, team Durant and stuff like that. And, and, and that's how they've done their, their all-star game. And in fact, doing this now, I think would be kind of an interesting dry run for, for the all-star game. Cause I think the, the baseball all-star game could be different. I think there there could be things that they could they do differently. I want to see yeah. like a skills competition that is more interesting. We've seen it. I think it's the NPB in Japan that has the the hitting targets all around the infield. They have a bunting contest, which is one of the only ways to make bunting interesting is to take it out of an actual baseball game and then just make it like a like a backyard precision game. I think being creative and, and adding things that are as fun as the new format home run derby that should be part of the goal and and maybe maybe this is a a place to to workshop that like if you have hitters that are competing even in batting practice in spring training being behind the cage watching that and getting commentary from a few players that might actually be pretty entertaining as well so i hope we get a couple things like that along the way uh, if we remain in this holding pattern we were also wondering you know if this goes on for a few weeks do you get to the point where groups of players start barnstorming do they start going around and just playing other places is that is that an actual possibility at some point to me that's more of a may june kind of thing rather than a a march april kind of thing but um, that could be one way to just take the show on the road yeah i really hope it doesn't come to that as much as i want to see that kind of thing right i think that means that we don't have real baseball still. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think all of us are like kind of hoping that this podcast is in fact dated in a few hours and we can talk about rule changes and crazy signings and everything going on. Um, 
as cool as it would be to see. And maybe that's something that guys consider doing in the winter or something. Um, because it would be awesome to see. I, I was joking around in Arizona, even just putting a camera, like mounting a GoPro on the back of one of the fields, people would literally watch that. I think they would just, they just are clamoring to see some kind of baseball. Um, especially now in spring training, I think it's one of the most interesting times of the year because it's not on TV a lot and fans just want to know what's going on. So giving them anything I think would really help. Um, but again, if they do agree today, we're talking about they probably report this weekend. Spring training could feasibly start this weekend if they agreed on a deal today. That's crazy to me. I thought they would bake in a week or two, but you, I mean, at this point, they don't have those. They don't have that week too. If they want to do 162 yeah. game season, they got to have like a three week spring training that starts on Friday. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it, so- it's also going to present a lot of visa issues for players that haven't come back yet. That's a problem every spring anyway. On a normal, I bet you there's a fair amount of those at in Mesa, <laughs> like at the park, you know, because they yeah. had they, they had to, they probably had to just follow their normal routine and just come here and. But I I wonder if you can get a sponsorship for a visa if MLB is not allowed to talk about you. I wonder if there's a loophole with PA. So say they agree today it's the 9th. I bet they report on maybe the 12th. That gives you one, two, really three weeks. Um, The season would start maybe a couple days later. I'm looking at like that April 2nd, April 3rd. But that's really not bad at all. You can squeeze double headers in. You can eliminate off days, right? And you still get the three week of spring training, which is it enough? I don't know, but be interesting um, to also have an expanded playoffs on the back end <laughs> to have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so at least they're talking about 12 teams, not 14. Cause I personally right. hate the 14. Um, there is like baseball newsy stuff today though. Did you guys see the Rockies fired Scott Van Lenden, who was their R and D yeah. director? So now, you know, I was looking at my phone. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, I I got a bunch of texts about it because he came from the Nats. Yeah, we're we're working on that story. There is a lot more to that story. <laughs> um, I was hoping there's, that there was a lot more to that. There's story. There's a lot more to that story because you don't normally hire a guy and then four or five months later fire a guy. The Rockies don't normally fire guys at like at all. It's mostly just leaving, and so I can't really say more until we know more. But I like it's it's very complicated and it's going to get messy and it's, it's not just a firing. So uh, there's something, something weird happened there. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll have, we'll have more news. Yeah. I heard about it last night and, and you know, their director of baseball ops left to start a pizza startup. Um, so uh, that's I like pizza, uh, but wow. <laughs> well, maybe, you, maybe you would like pizza better than working for the Rockies is what we're, was what we're uh, <laughs> so well, their R and yeah. D department only has five employees. Yes, most and most of them hired by this guy. So how many of them will now leave? That's true, wonder. especially since it. I do not think it. It, it is. I think it's an acrimonious parting. It says <laughs> the from the, the Denver Post says that it's quote major disagreements between him and the club about what his role would be. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't hire someone oh, and then six months later God. you fire him and it's like ever a good scenario. So now I'm right? leaving the sourcing behind, but what we do know from Rocky's history. <laughs> so I I'm, I want to be clear, like this part is not sourced. This is part is more speculation. What we do know from Rocky's history is that uh, their entire R&D department like left, you know, <laughs> last year yeah. or over the last two years. 
um, and that uh, there was a sense that they weren't being listened to. Hard to believe that would happen. The other Rockies thing I saw, which was actually kind of relevant to players training on their own, um, it was not our friend Nick Groke, but his one of his competitors, Patrick Saunders from the Denver Post, who had this tweet. Yes, Rockies GM Bill Schmidt, if he thinks players will report to camp in shape when the lockout ends. And the answer, which I don't know the tone of the answer, Bill Schmidt's answer was what they think might be in shape and what's baseball shape might be two different things. And the tone that you read that in is entirely up to you. If he wasn't kind of chuckling as he said it, that is a ridiculous thing to say about professional baseball players. Like that is very insulting to them. So I I tend to think of this organization as backward and, and stuck in like the 90s. So I took it to be him actually being critical of the players. I would love to know if he was actually just playing around but i just don't never get that vibe from them so yes i i would rather work for a pizza startup in the colorado rockies too like i, I <laughs> no I, unseen. I i find that quote really interesting too from another perspective that Britt and i were i don't know if we'll, we'll, we'll write it maybe we'll do it next year <laughs> but uh uh you got getting late in the spring but we were going to write about how uh, pitchers basically don't stop throwing anymore they, they they might take a week off but like you know they throw year round now and uh, I would say the same is true for position players. They might go for a weekend in Cabo and then they're they're right back on it when they get back. I mean, there's there's yeah. there's, you know, I don't think there's this idea anymore that, you know, incremental sort of daily training is going to tire you out. It's more a sense of like you need to keep that up. And I've noticed that myself in my running training. You know, if I run on Friday and I don't run till Monday, I've lost fitness over the weekend. Like I've literally can notice over two days that I've lost fitness compared to when I won Monday and then I run one run Wednesday and I run Friday. Like I feel more fit on those runs than on the Monday one because I took two days off. So I think that there's a sense now of like I, I talk about acute and chronic where it's like, you the chronic is like is building up you want to build up a really strong base so that you're really athletic on a daily basis and then the acute stress is the day game the the game day stuff where you throw your hardest and you run your hardest um but you, you can only do that like just think about me like what if i tried to oh Julian McWilliams, not to throw him under the bus, but Julian McWilliams did a, a thing with me um, where we were like running and, and, and hitting in front of the cameras. He blew out his quad when we tried to run to first. Uh, he blew out his quad and he said, yeah, man, I haven't been running. Well, that's what happens with the acute and chronic. It's like if you don't get your athleticism up to a certain base level, when you then try to do the acute stress where throw a 90 mile an hour fastball, but I haven't been throwing all year. You know, I haven't thrown for three months or 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 run to first base a sprint when I haven't been running in two weeks. That's when you really hurt yourself. So, you know, they basically want to keep this really high level athleticism up. So I think he's wrong because I think that they're in very close to baseball shape all year. Yeah. And I honestly think, you know, if spring training starts, that will be a big issue is can these guys get ready in time? So maybe we actually can use our story. And camps open like the first few days uh, and not, not completely thrown away. But yeah, it's, um, you know, you guys have learned that the worst thing they can do is allow it to rest and allow things to build up, uh, whether that's scar tissue, whether that's, you know, just loss of muscle mass, um, guys throw every day and it's not throwing a baseball every day. They may throw football, they may throw, 
Um, you know, Wild Max Scherzer, yeah, throw against a wall a little bit, like a tennis ball, stuff like that. But just to condition your arm, just to keep everything going, kind of like keep that joint like lubricated. It's like if you don't start your car for a week or two in the winter, right? Oh, um, it's kind of my that car's same died thing. over COVID. Yeah, it's kind of that same thing. So it, it is interesting. I do think three weeks pitchers can be ready because pitchers are throwing already, especially if you're already throwing live BPs and you're in some of these scenarios. Yes, mm-hmm. you can be ready. Uh, maybe early on we'll see a lot of shorter starts in the first week or two of the season, but you're already knowing that hitters may be significantly behind because they're not getting those. I think it's 30 plate appearances is usually what veteran guys kind of say is the target for spring. Um, now can they get that? Sure. But I think, you know, they're going to be a little bit more behind the eight ball than pitchers um, just by the very nature of the condensed spring training. They're not going to be able to go from zero to playing every day, nine inning games, right? They have to build their way up. Uh, whereas pitchers are a little bit more on that schedule and they're going to go the three innings, the four innings, the five innings, um, and still be able to in three weeks, get what three, four star, four starts probably as a starter. Three weeks is 21 days. You get five starts. So you could go, right, three innings, four innings, five innings, six. You could build all the way up in three weeks as a starting pitcher. I think that I think they can make it, yeah. I think, I think you just give position it. players more reps in game. Like I think they drag that out a little bit to keep guys from being Oh, instead of leaving in later. Like the fifth, like yeah, just, leaving yeah. the eighth or something. Just, yeah, just just cut yeah. out some of the longer. some of the players that are not going to be on the big league roster. Especially the just don't Yeah, except for the minor guys. ones that they're already in minor league camp. Like yeah. maybe don't bring over as many. I think that's what they're going to do just to make sure that the players that need those extra reps get those extra reps. And then they're not as far behind with timing at the plate as they would be if you followed the usual spring training plan. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great 
without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra-soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. This is a, a pretty interesting thing that also came out on Tuesday. And I wonder if this had anything to do with progress being made in negotiations toward the new CBA. Apple TV has a deal with Major League Baseball to broadcast two games every Friday throughout the regular season. It's called Friday Night Baseball. They uh, dug deep for a, a new creative name there, but no, what else are you going to call it? Ultimately, <laughs> it's interesting because the games will only be available. It's an exclusive deal, uh, but they will not have blackout restrictions. So, for example, if you live in Chicago and the Cubs are going to be on Apple TV, it's not going to be a case where you can't watch them. You just have to have the Apple TV app on one of your devices. You don't need a subscription. So that's it's sort of like the YouTube games, I think, is basically what you're looking at. It's just on another app. It's just putting programming in another place. I don't know if this agreement was just a, a, a kind of a embarrassing little moment for the league oh we don't have any money and then like a deal with apple fell out of their pockets while they were walking to negotiate but ultimately i think it's good because it it reaches people who might not see baseball on their current tv packages or might even think about baseball it's putting the game in a different spot of course it's there to generate money for the league it grows the pie and whether or not the players get enough of that pie that is the agreement that's the fight that that is on hand right now so all this is to say, I was actually kind of excited about this. I know that a lot of the public reaction was negative. Oh, it's another place where baseball is going to go. Oh, I'm not going to get those games in my RSN. I don't think it's going to be that hard to watch these games. They're also going to bring the big inning show. So if you watched MLB TV and happened to see this in 2021, it's a fly around show, kind of like Red Zone for football, if you're familiar with that different because it's baseball so every weeknight they're going to have that on the apple tv package as well i think getting more eyes on the game is always a good thing and i don't think taking two games a week and putting it on a new platform is damaging to the existing audience is there something i'm missing in this that actually makes it a bad thing as far as getting people to watch baseball i have uh one thing i was talking to maury brown about this he pointed out that um, it, those games will not be on MLB TV. So you won't be able to watch them on your streaming service. He said that affected about 2% of the available games on MLB TV, which is, it's not a lot. It's not zero. The The one thing that I think um, ties into my cynicism about sort of the state of capitalism or the state of sort of our, you know, the, our current system, economic system, is that this sort of chase for growth um, often leaves behind existing customers. So the idea is, you know, new eyes, new eyeballs are going after them. And well, what about the, the, the person who likes to watch every single Cubs game? That's the thing the league knows. The league knows that the diehard who wants to watch all 162 games will go here, there and everywhere to do it. Like they they know that they have you they have you hooked you are on the hook free on Apple you are Plus? not leaving it's free it is the games are not it's not part of their pay model 
It's not. It's not. You have to. It's not like you have to pay. Uh, same as like Ted Lasso. It's not. Uh, it's it's based on their press release. They said it's free. So then, what's in it for Apple TV? They think people will sign More up. Content. You will go watch your your favorite baseball team there, and then they can hit you with Ted Lasso commercials, and then you pay for Apple TV or you buy iCloud or their other products. I mean, they've, they've plus got a, it's like all those streaming services. Very few of them have uh, sports, right? So I think there is a little bit of a race now between each of them to be like who's gonna who's gonna win and have some sort of sports presence. That's when I I don't think of Netflix when I think of sports. You know, I don't think of you know Peacock when I think of sports. I think of movies. Basically, I think of movies and maybe some yeah. some you know on demand shows. So maybe one of them can kind of win a little bit of a race to 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 also be like a place you can. I think YouTube is trying to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, YouTube was kind of first there. Um, there are, uh, do, do you think there are people that just see the world through one of these streaming services? I, I this, is a, this is something I think does exist for kids in YouTube. Like, yeah, I think there are kids that basically the only TV they watch is YouTube. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. I think yes. there are a lot of people who are, but us adults, we just have 8 million stream services and we just watch, we just what? like, we don't have no idea which one to watch and where it is. And I, I, I think if for? you're, if you're older than 30, you dealt with the like you were a young adult at a time where you had to have cable to watch stuff, right? If you wanted to watch uh, sports, you had a cable bundle, and then you made the switch to these a la carte things, and all these a la carte things are probably going to cost you more than the cable bundles used to cost you. So, hey, congratulations, you took the long road to paying more. Who who to thunk it, right? I think this is this is important because it's going to reach people that just don't have access to watch baseball currently, or they don't even think about baseball. That's yeah. a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. Obviously, it's to make yeah. money for the league. The problem I have, here's here's the thing that bothers me about this deal. MLB is going to produce the games. It's not going to be new production. It's not going to be new voices and new faces presenting the mm. game. It's going to be just like the games Are they even producing the fly around show too? I yes. think they're still producing that because they produced it on their app last year. Mm. And they need to make changes. And we don't know who these people are. Maybe they're adding to their crew. But... If it's the usual Bob Costas or Matt Vesgersian or the same people that have been calling games, big games for the last 10 or 20 years, I don't think that's necessarily the best product. It's not because I don't like those people, but I think you need to keep bringing new voices in. If this is to get new eyes and ears on the game, try presenting it in a different way because everybody who sees what's already happening might actually like an alternative better. This seems like a great way to experiment and to change some things about how we watch baseball. And the thing in the press release that bothered me the most was actually just the fact that MLB is going to produce the games. Because I immediately pictured a booth where it's Bob Costas and Jim Cott. And I've heard them call enough games. This is no disrespect <laughs> to them. I don't need to hear them anymore. I want to hear yeah. new voices. Elevate some of the up-and-coming people that cover teams on a day-to-day basis. And then when they are covering a national game, or, or the number two people move up. Out of that pool, like remember when DAZN had a baseball show and they put the Cespedes barbecue guys on it? Try something different, please. Um, that's, that's all. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that they're going to use some team people for some of these games, uh, but the issue is, is like they're doing the same thing Amazon does. Amazon uses NBC people for their football because they don't have a built-out studio, they don't have the built-out people, mm. right? So they're going to lean on the network and. You know, I think the concern there is, yeah, the network uses their same people and then maybe throws a team broadcaster in there 
but you're still not getting anything new. You're still not doing anything mm-hmm. different, right? Um, and I don't see the network, which is really down in viewership from what I've heard, less than half of what it used to be. Um, I, I just don't see them kind of adding more people at this point in time. I see it being yeah, more like or how less much budget, how, how many resources right. do they have? They're not they're not out there looking. It's like their YouTube games, like. Yeah, they used, I would say, three out of the four people were network people, and then they maybe had somebody from a team, right? So it was like the YouTube games, which were fine, but it's, you know, nothing super exciting. You're right. They need to be the most innovative thing about the most innovative thing about the YouTube games was the ability to chat like on the game. Right. Which, you know, you can just hide that if you're not into that. But if you want to see what people are talking about or what they're excited about, it's nice to take the temperature of the room. I think it's a, a way to do it. Better at than least, like looking away from the screen and looking at your Twitter and then looking back and looking back and like it's right there at least. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and, and reel off my list of wonderful ideas, but I just think this. <laughs> like, well, that, I mean, that, that should be like that's a that's a paid job. But it's not my job to tell a company with limitless money how to make it better like they can they they want to know i'm easy easy to find i don't know if the network has limitless money i mean the league probably does no apple apple has limitless money apple Apple doesn't need Uh, the old old wooden ship to make decisions for them and they probably won't do it for long right apple and amazon are going to be the future of streaming sports that's that to me seems very you think that's true we're going yeah Yeah, i mean i mean i would say like if i if any brand i mean youtube is the only one i'd bring up but you know, if if there those are ahead, I'm I'm a little surprised that Peacock did this like kind of thirty million dollar toe in the water, which is, I don't know, uh, it does it's it's like either do it or don't, dude. Like what? Anyway. Well, Apple also wants the NFL, so I agree. I think Apple is in on it. I also think Amazon too, but I think it's going to take two three years before you see them build out studios and hire people and have specifically for those roles and have control of their own. Right. Yeah. Um, That's what they're going to do. You know, they're they're going to, they're going to have their own people eventually. I think that, yes. And I think that like the issue with the network is, you know, we've seen that they, they really just gravitate towards a certain type of person. Um, and obviously I don't think anybody at the athletic is their favorite people. So I don't think anybody on the show. <laughs> We're is not high on the on list. Anyone's list. We're definitely not on the list. Um, and so I think you know you're really kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face when you're kind of looking editorially at like what do we want and how do we get personalities into this game. But you're also from the network perspective trying to control everything that is said and done. Um, you're just going to end up with a watered down product. Um, you know whether the game is good or not. I think. Like Derek said, that show has the potential to be great, but how come every other show they've done has more or less fallen flat? It's because they keep recycling the same people and expecting things to change. I also just wonder if people consume baseball differently than other sports a little bit. I don't know. Like, yeah. um, like, I, is it just me or does it like I just my appraisal is that there aren't as many people that will just watch a random baseball game as there are people that will watch a random football game. Well, that's a, yeah, there's a huge difference. That's there's more the baseball fans that will only want to watch their team. Yes, I think that's generally true. I think if you are but that has ramifications fan or a Packers for fan, like whether you still or not watch the, Sunday Night Football, even if those teams aren't playing. Right. And you know, there's a lot of baseball fans who are like, I don't care, you know, what the other teams are doing. But uh, I think that has ramifications for what we're talking about here, because Apple, you know, no matter what Apple and Amazon and all of them do, 
Uh, they're not going to like, they're probably not going to own the rights. To, they're not going to own MLB TV. They're not going to have every game. So they're just going to, and they're not going to have the local game. They're just going to have these national games of the week. And so baseball, I think is trying to sell Mondays, Tuesdays, as, you, as you've seen, like each of these deals is for like a night Friday, the Apple bought yeah. Friday, you know? And so they're going to try and do this. And so every, every streaming service is going to have one night of baseball and it'll just be some random games. Do you think that's, like a real strategy i don't think it's great i think it's 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 a business it's good for good for bringing in money because you're you're selling rights to all these new people that weren't previously paying you and you're maybe getting out of some of your rsn troubles that you're having by going to someone with deeper pockets so i i understand why they're doing it that way i don't know if it's the most effective way to 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 present the product as a whole that's the main concern that I have. And I wonder if we're going to look back at this deal and say the best part of it was the beginning. Because if let's I mean, let's just say that that Apple ends up with with Red Zone or if if that's a, a model that other sports want to follow and they end up getting it for a different sport. Maybe that's the, the presentation that works for a lot more people. Maybe fly around coverage done the right way is the betters, way you say what's what's going on what's going on on a wednesday night well, right betters fantasy right. people and then like I, I just read that our attention span in the iphone era went from 12 seconds to eight seconds so huge <laughs> <laughs> i believe it uh, that makes sense i mean i do i think that there's potential for that show but they've had shows before what was that show they had the beginning Beginning is what they had prior, like they just had, but then they had uh, Strike Zone then, Channel was kind yeah, of like their their first attempt to replicate Red Zone. And I think the key to this, this this is the the part that I think everyone can see, and Eno was getting at this. The base, the casual baseball fan, even a, even a pretty hardcore baseball fan, is different than fans of other sports. The Single person Scott Hansen get really excited about uh, a third quarter touchdown energy that doesn't quite work with a fourth inning strikeout with the bases loaded. It it's just one person cannot carry that show. I I just don't believe no. that. I know it's it's cost effective to only have one person instead of two or three, but you you need to build an entertaining and energetic crew that also is likable to the point where they can get whatever guests they want to get on who are relevant that day. Because I think what is different for most baseball fans compared to a lot of football fans is the the desire for extra information. Baseball is like a more information-driven sport. Deep but divers. you need to present that information in an engaging and fun and approachable way. It is a very fine line to walk, like it, especially with sports betting being a, a bigger part of programming going forward. Like it or not, it's here to stay and we're only scratching the surface of how much you're going to see about betting when you watch sports. Yeah, I agree. You need more than one person. You also need to make it lively and fun. And it's hard to do that. If you have one person reading the highlights alone, which you need to maybe mix up who's on the show too. like have like one or two standbys. And then depending on what happened last night, get, get a reporter to come in virtually on zoom or some, I, you know what I mean? Like something. treat it like a news show, like treat it like a yeah. real show. Yeah, uh, I mean, it remains to be seen, but that's kind of how I would do it. Um, so people are getting like, oh, I want to tune in because not only is it, you know, exciting, but it's up to the minute stuff, right? It's someone who was at the game, someone who listened to the manager, someone who whatever, talked to the player. Uh, I think that adds an extra element. 
Um, but maybe I'm overstating our importance. Well, I'm, I'm a little worried that it'll end up being more like, um, you know, algorithmic uh, jump arounds where they know that the most bets were on the parlay for Harper to hit two home runs and he's hit one on home run. So now we're yeah. going to go, we're going to jump in here to live coverage of Bryce Harper trying to hit a second home run and make X million dollars for, or even the high betters. We've got a high better who put $2 million on this game and here it is the ninth inning. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's another way to manufacture. Oh, drama. <laughs> I mean, I think that could happen. I, I see that happening pretty easily. Well, we've got a few choices. We could be extremely pessimistic, somewhat <laughs> optimistic, some blend of the two. But um, well, I also know that, like, as a consumer of media, like, I'm annoyed that the things are on different places. And I'm a I'm a hardcore baseball fan. And even if I can, I do have Apple Plus. Yes, I, I don't I don't have the pay version, but I have the app, right? And and I do have this. But I'm annoyed, and maybe I'm just an old Fogart, foggy for fart. That's the word fart. Fogey? Maybe I'm an old fart, fart foggy, foggy fart. But I will be annoyed at some point. I'm like, oh man, I got to change the input and then go to that bet. And I'm going to it. And I got to, oh, nope. Ah, it's not here. It's over there. I got to do this. Uh, well, you know, it doesn't, we can't sign in on this TV. You got to go to the other TV. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you, that's my life. That's Where, not a like, great the kids want to watch something. Experience. And I don't know which service it's on and which TV it works on and which not. And, you know, no, you guys can only watch that in the other room. But dad, I want to watch out of the big TV. Yes. Dad can only get Apple Plus working on this TV, and so he's going to watch the baseball game in here. Y'all have to go watch on the smaller TV. Sorry. Yeah, there's some user experience wrinkles that could be uh, smoothed out at some point. But uh, <laughs> Welcome to my household. <laughs> nice one-minute uh, trip inside the, the Sarah's home. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the 3.0 Show. If you've got a question, drop it to the Rates and Barrels email, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com. Happy to answer those on a future episode, or you could just drop a question in the comment section on this video. Our hope is that by the time you listen to this episode, that it is sort of irrelevant because a deal has been reached. Of course, we have no guarantee of that actually happening on Twitter. You can find Eno at Eno Saris, find Britt at Britt underscore Giroli, find me at Derek Van Riper, and you can get $1 a month access to The Athletic for the first six months of a new subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball show. It's the best deal we do all year. Get it while you can. That's going to do it for this episode of The Athletic Baseball Show. We are back with you on Monday. <laughs>